What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. Favorite podcast, that would be the one and only Shulable podcast outside of the UDD SUSA, uh, try again, UDD CUSA podcast, which you should be listening to too, but also listen to the Shulable, the podcast you listen to right now. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty, of course, as always, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, uh, the junior Papa Panther himself. In due time, he is Mr. David Handel. David, what's going on, my man? What's up? What's up? Victory Monday, Eric. It is Victory Monday. Um, all my teams won this weekend, and yeah, it feels good. It feels good, and and what a performance by FIU, honestly. Can't wait to talk about it. It is Victory Monday indeed for FIU, not a Victory Monday for the FAU Owls. We will be taping uh we you know we missed the past couple of weeks but we'll be taping an fau segment uh you're gonna have kevin or zach still getting that finalized here but we will have that done a couple of days also in the effort of full disclosure to bring you in again as i try to be as transparent as possible uh our super producer uh had some issues so there was an episode yeah. that i taped last week with former fiu receiver uh special teamer sean o'gorman uh the reason i mentioned that is because that episode was taped in response to the utsa loss and some of the comments post game from mike mcintyre now obviously it's a little bit dated because we're coming off a win and that's going to be the bulk of this conversation however we uh, or me i guess as the journalist here um do want to air that conversation a because you know we taped it but b i just published a game notebook piece in which uh and david i don't know if you had a chance to check it out or not if you haven't i will shoot it to you as i am talking just so you can get the context um, of the point I'm going to make because it's something that I want to address on the pod. Uh, in the effort of fairness to Sean, I did reference his tweet in the game notebook along with some other former FIU players who have had some things, you know, to say. Uh, quite frankly, after losses, and that's part of the reason I want to bring it up with David because they haven't. And I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to to be negative, but. Uh, Something that I find interesting, and again, we'll talk about this a little later on the podcast, is they have things to say after losses, but I haven't heard the same things after wins. Um, so to be fair to Sean, I feel like it's fair to air his his comments in in totality as opposed to just you know airing that one tweet and having you know already taped further context and not airing it. So you will hear that as part of this podcast as well. Without uh, further ado, got all those disclaimers aside, David. The FIU Panthers are coming off a decisive 34-15 win over Charlotte. And quite frankly, the game was not that close. That was, a, you know, the 15 points came. I believe all 15 came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. So uh, it definitely was a much more, uh, not as, uh, what, 19 points? That game was not a 19-point game. It was a complete you know, domination, in my mind, of the Panthers. Easily the most impressive performance of the Mike McIntyre era and the most complete performance against an FBS opponent. I mean, yeah, you could say New Mexico State was complete, but uh, this is better because Charlotte, in terms of talent level, even despite the fact that they're going through what they're going through right now, Charlotte's a much more talented team than New Mexico State. So the most complete performance against an FBS opponent in a long, long time, David. Grayson James, 306 yards through the air. Flex Joseph gets two scores. Uh, Grayson gets two scores on the ground. Uh, went 25 of 33. Looks like they did give him an extra yard here because I'm looking at the official stat broadcast from Jerry Richardson Stadium. They give him at 302 here 
Um, looks like he, uh, and, and yeah, Maverick, you know what, David, some of the numbers are actually different overall. Cause I, I'm looking at ESPN and they, they credit, uh, Sean Peterson with two sacks. Uh, I remember having three and that's what the stat broadcast at the stadium credits him as. So we will go with that. Sean Peterson jr. Opened the game. Second play of the game, a sack strip and fumble recovery of Charlotte quarterback, Chris Reynolds. I asked him after the game about that. He said, yo, they left me on a tight end. I don't know why they did that. That's a direct quote from Sean P. <laughs> that was the exact quote from Sean P. He's like, I don't know why they did that. He had a hell of a game. Tyrese Chambers, the returning Tyrese Chambers, 10 catches for 143 yards. Chris Mitchell, shout out to, to Chris Mitch, eight grabs for 84 yards. I mean, David, you know, again, we'll get into it, but uh, Chris Mitchell looked like a, a very viable number two receiver for this team, was making plays all over the place. The defense, again, stifled Charlotte all game. I think Chris Reynolds, he may have broken the 200-yard mark. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here, 23 of 38 for 244, three interceptions. But, David, if you look at it through uh, quarter by quarter, which I have the benefit of doing here with the stat broadcast, uh, he was at 126 yards through three quarters. So the bulk of his passing yards came in the fourth quarter, which that game was already decided. A complete win for FIU, David. Uh, your thoughts from the fan perspective uh, with everything that happened CUSA wise with Will Healy being fired and really kind of some of the surreal moments of that game, which I will, uh, you know, kind of bring in the FIU audience in and, and paint the picture for uh, after you give your thoughts. I have not had a chance to really tap into the heart of a uh, Panther nation as I try to do after every game to get the feeling uh, of a, you know, how fans are feeling and, and B, you know, usually I try to at least respond to you, you know, during the game when you text me as far as your thoughts. Uh, didn't get a chance to text you back, I think, until, what, late last night or today. So, um, yeah, man, fill me in. Uh, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I, the the fan reaction is definitely there. There, Everyone is is pretty hyped. Um, you know, everyone within all the chats I'm in, just on social media in general, people are excited, and they have every right to be. Um, this is a huge win. Like you said, it was dominating. It was honestly a dominating performance um, with, you know, 15 points in garbage time, whatever. And we also, you know, we, we, we left some points on the board. We, I'm pretty sure we got to the one-yard line twice and didn't get points. So it could have been even worse for Charlotte. Um, I, I, that, that was the best the offense has looked all year. The defense is, is, continues on this upward trend that we've seen pretty much since, I guess, New Mexico State. Because uh, we, we didn't really get a chance to talk about UTSA. And I know it's, it, they put 30 on us. But I thought the defense played really well in that game as well. I was expecting that UTSA is – is that offensive juggernaut that they are. Um, so I think the defense has really showed out these, this past month, and they continue to get better. Uh, a lot of those younger guys are making plays. Sean Peterson Jr., uh, absolute MVP of the defense in that game, three sacks, the strip fumble. Um, and you called it, Eric, before the season that you said that he would lead the team in sacks. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw something that he was, like, top 20 in the nation. So shout out to Sean. Um, you know, the defense, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say. It was honestly, it could have been a shutout garbage time. I count, I don't count garbage time, garbage time, screw garbage time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the offense, the offense looked really, really good. Grayson w- looked fantastic. I mean, there's a point that I think maybe up until like the fourth quarter, I think he only had like two incompletions, something like that. Um, you know, he, he's definitely. Got a complete comfort within the system. Uh, he, he's utilizing his legs, honestly, this past month. Since that New Mexico State game, that was like the first game I remember like, like wow, we actually have a running game. And since then, we've been able to actually, you know, get over 100 yards multiple times now, which is always a good sign. Flex Joseph, I think, is an absolute stud. 
Um, Tyrese, he, you know, the stats speak for, speak for themselves, but his impact alone is just, it, it opens up the field for the other guys like Mitchell and Bracey and, and he, his impact was huge on top of the fact that he had almost 150. He's an absolute, I mean, Tyrese is an absolute stud. We'll be seeing him on Sundays. So I have, I, I'm just ecstatic, Eric. I, I, I think this game uh, showcased what we, you know, we could be um, as a, like, you know, going into the season, a lot of us, myself included, and I think pretty much the entire world wasn't expecting much from FIU. Um, and just to see them, you know, pull off even, you know, now we're at three wins, right? Like this win really out of out of all three is 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 the one that's like, damn, like this team, you know, Coach Mack has these guys running on all cylinders and, and they give it their all every game. And and, you know, they continue, they continue to get better. Um, and yeah, like it's just very, very exciting. And that defense, it, it, they, they, they cause a lot of turnovers. And this game, I think they had five. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm very excited for this La Tech game on Friday at home. Because, uh, like, this is one of – it's crazy. This is one of the games that you, you thought we could win from the, you know, from preseason. And, and we, we stopped as, like, nine-point underdogs, which is kind of crazy. Um, so I love it. I love Vegas continues to put us as underdogs. Uh, the fourteen and a half seems to be our, our sweet spot. As now we've had two two of our wins, we were we were fourteen and a half point underdogs. So nothing but good things, Eric. I thought this weekend uh, this game was just outstanding. David, what was the most encouraging part of this game uh, for you? And where I'm asking this question from is, I had an FIU fan, and forgive me, I I don't have the Twitter handle offhand, but an FIU fan asked me on Twitter. After the game, what one – and actually, I'll ask it to you as a fan perspective as well. Um, what one area does this team seem to be growing in the most, right? Like what's the most encouraging as far as growth um, that they've improved in the most? Um, or actually, that, that wasn't how it was phrased. Uh, essentially, the gist of the question, David, was um, what's like one area that they need to improve in to – make a bowl game that's just the question i'm sorry for going all around so let's go with that as what i'm going to ask you um and my answer was everything the reason why is i don't mean that in a negative way it's it's actually a a compliment and it should be encouraging for panther fans because of how young this team is david they and i'm just wondering if you feel the same way so this is kind of the question here they, they don't do one thing like great and that's fine because they're a super young team. This is only their seventh game playing together with so many underclassmen. But I think that's really encouraging, the fact that now, you know, I think this is or this is Grayson's first 300-yard passing game, but they don't do one thing great yet. And that means the ceiling is still so high for this group. Like, they don't pass block great. They, they'll, they had a good performance uh, against Charlotte, don't get me wrong, but at, like on totality for the year, they don't pass block great. They, they don't run great. Um, the pressure has been inconsistent. Uh, the secondary, again, phenomenal performance Saturday. Wouldn't call it great overall. But that, to me, is the encouraging thing, David, because <laughs> if they can keep growing and trending in the right direction, and we'll talk about this later on, they may have a chance to win two or possibly three of the next five games and get to a bowl game. So uh, I'm just wondering if you see it the same way, David. Is that like, well, yes, they're trending in the right direction. It's not like they do any one thing great so far. Is that fair? I, th- I think that's fair, and and I think the biggest thing in in this game that that stood out to me because as I, as I mentioned, I, I think I've I've seen the defense really grow a lot, especially this past month. I think they've progressively gotten better, and I think those same with the DBs. Like like the Charlotte's wide receivers are very good. 
Um, and, you know, holding them to what we did uh, was very impressive. But I, I agree with what you're saying of that. We don't do anything great yet. And that there's still so much room to grow, which should excite everybody because, like, the fact that we have three game, three wins under our belt and, and these guys are still, like, like you said, they're young. They're, like, they're still getting, you know, so much experience in these games that, that every game they're just going to continue to grow. And, yeah, I'm with you. I think the sky's the limit with it when it comes to that potential. Um, and I and I think my favorite the, my favorite thing about seeing in this game was definitely the offense because even even with the wind whether it was you know Brian or New Mexico State um, well really more New Mexico State uh, the, the the offense wasn't clicking as well we were able to put up some points in that game but there it, it was very mistake like there was a lot of mistakes that were still happening and in this game it seemed like they they, they were starting to put those mistakes behind them and if you're you know if they continue to do that. Play. I know we still had an interception, but if we can continue to play as much of mistakeless football as we can, I think there's real potential to grab you know those two or three wins. No doubt about it. So yeah, I mean overall complete performance to kind of um, bring you guys into the post game. We it was a very very excited FIU locker room. I tweeted out that the uh, the music selection, of course, as I said, the national song of Miami Peppas was played uh, first. <laughs> so oh, yeah. That, oh, that yeah. was it. That was it. Then it was Meek Mill, Dreams and Nightmares, Waka Flocka, Girls, St. Party, uh, Sweet Caroline. I, I don't know uh, who's in Sweet Caroline, but uh, Sweet Caroline um, and a few others that I wasn't able to catch because I was trying to do the interview. <laughs> but um, with that being said, a very joyous FIU locker room postgame. Mike McIntyre talked about the positivity and David, I want to get your thoughts on this because obviously as I'm led the podcast with, we taped that portion with Sean or I taped that portion with Sean last week. You weren't there for it. So um, what did you make uh, again, very much old news at this point, but Mike McIntyre did address it in the post game. What were your thoughts on as, as we talked about, you know, the, the, the question that was asked by Jonathan Mayer was the last question of the presser you know the the question was asked hey what do you think of the vice team and mike mcintyre made a joke about you know hey i i, I wish walt and eric would have dressed up in their vice team stuff whatever and, but and, and more or less you know the the reaction to that online from um from, on social media from some former players uh and then the fact that hey he addressed it and said listen you know a he felt it was taken out of context not necessarily by me um, but you know, some people weren't in the, in, in the room, so they, they weren't privy to the conversation, understand the conversation we we're having. And, and also B, he, he, and this is the point that I, I thought was fair. A, I, I wrote in the article that he, he leads every presser with, you know, we got to do better as coaches. So he em- emphasized that, but he went out of his way, David. And again, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the FIU presser, um, that on YouTube because they released the whole thing. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out, but he said, Hey, you know, fans don't see behind closed doors. I'm a fiery, you know, tough guy, but. I'm going to keep loving these kids. And uh, I think positivity like is key. And I felt that he went out of his way to say those guys who aren't on the bandwagon aren't like with us right now. Once we start winning more consistently, they'll be on the bandwagon and that's fine. Um, but, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm not always, you know, just preaching positivity for the sake of it. You know, when it's time to, to, you know, essentially I'm paraphrasing here to kind of hone things in, he does. And, and that was, that was indicated, David. I mean, I talked about it on this press with the, the um one of the early practices in the fall he stopped practice midway through and and said hey you know if we want to be one in 11 again we can continue practicing like this way or if we want to be a you know a, a team that goes to a bowl game we got to pick things up so he has shown that side but anyhow i'm done uh with the opining david what did you make of you know kind of that whole controversy from a week ago 
Yeah, I th- I honestly thought it was it was kind of uncalled for, especially at, at the game that they did it at. Right, like like out of all the games that you would complain about, I mean, thirty to ten, yeah, you don't want to lose, but thirty to ten, I thought you know FIU playing keeping UTSA, you know that quote unquote close was you know uh, they you know showed up at that game, and you know they're saying that after the seventy three zero loss to West Kentucky to be like okay you know maybe there's some merit. I don't know. I thought it was weirdly timed, and I also like disagree with with them in in the fact that, especially Sean, like like when he's saying, you know, Coach Matt can't be you know positive or, or can't be like kind of joking around, like like or even the vi- like putting so much emphasis on the vice uh, jerseys or the field. I mean, at the end of it, at the end of the day, like yes, there's there's the football side of it, right? But there's a side, especially more, I guess more on the Scott side of things. Is like you know he's trying to get people to the games, like things like this, like the vice jerseys and the vice, uh, you know, fields, like that brings attention. Whether or not we won the game, you know, you want to win the games to bring even more attention. But that was all over Twitter before, and and what that does, it creates buzz. And so now, and then you have to go out, obviously capitalize on it. But you know, there his point of being like like oh your whole folk like the social team's whole focus was the fields and stuff. Well, listen, like the, the social team's focus is to get fans to the game, right? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You, you want Coach Max to be, you know, I guess not joke after a loss, but I, I also disagree there. Not that he's joke needs to joke around and, and stuff, but his, his whole demeanor and, and his whole way of, of dealing with, you know, media or fans and then also dealing with the players is definitely different behind closed doors and things like that. Um, but I think his, his message and, and the way that he, you know, resonates with the players is paying off. And I think you can see that even in the games that we lose is that they're still giving it their all toward the end. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going on. And at, at this point, overcoming expectations because two of their wins now are, have been big double digit uh, victories, like spread wise underdogs. And, um, and I think you can see it also on social media of the current players that they've bought in because they're, you know they they love the the engagement after after the games they're 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 hopping on social media to hype up FIU and hyping up their teammates. Tyrese is one of those big like one of those guys that's like after every game he's posting clips of of his teammates like scoring like a flex and things like that. And I think this team is really bought into this like family aspect of it, and I think that's really good to see. And that's kind of what you want, you know, with a team that wasn't ex- there wasn't much expected of them. And the fact that they're still able to come together and, and, you know, overcome odds is, is really cool. And I think it's a a testament to what coach McIntyre has been able to do with this young team. So I I, I thought it was a bit uncalled for. Um, And yeah. And, and to your point, I haven't really seen uh, those guys and and I'll name some of the other guys like Sage and, and uh, I forgot the, I think it's Devontae Taylor. Taylor. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see them tweeting after wins. So, you know, if you, if you want to tweet criticisms, you better, you better be consistent when it, when it's, uh, you know, when the team's winning, because that's, that's when it becomes like, that's a joke. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I think it's, I, I think coach Mack is doing a fantastic job. And so, yeah, man, I, I, he has me pumped. He has me pumped. So I, I, I love that, that Southern charm, Eric. <laughs> so David, I'm really glad you said that because that was going my next question. I'm going to make this one much shorter than you know the last one. So David, um, I know you said you had a chance to catch, check out the great recap. Shout out to Hunter Dubois 
Um, you know, he is the uh, Cameron Hunter's official title with FIU, uh, FIU social media specialist. For all the FIU fans, David, and I know I have heard a lot of that in my now five seasons covering the team who've wanted more and better social content. Well, you got it. Uh, so that that is uh, not up for debate. Um, shout out to Hunter and, and the whole team. Great job. Yeah, <laughs> them doing a great job. But I know you said he had a chance to watch that video, David. Um, seemingly, you like Mike McIntyre's personality, huh? I mean, is that is that fair? I do. Yeah, and and it's funny because at first, before I you know met him and, and he's been doing a ton. At first, like I was like, oh man, is this you know is this going to resonate? And and I'm I'm fully bought in now. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the reason I, you know, I want to ask that because I think there are some people who listen, let's just call a spade a spade. And this isn't, uh, you know, I, I I'm open on this podcast. Let's have a relationship with Butch Davis. Um, so talk to Drew Davis all the time. So, you know, I'll state that first and foremost, but I think Butch Davis's personality is one that resonated more in the early going because of the great things he did. Uh, I hope I'm not speaking, you know, <laughs> ill here, the great things did at Miami, right? There was the belief that, okay, Bush is a guy who understands South Florida. He gets it. He's a great recruiter. That resonated well. But to flip it around, I don't think that personality, that same kind of, I'm a, oh, and I, I hate to say old school, like that's a bad thing, but just being an old school coach, I don't think that resonated as well with FIU fans when things weren't going well. Um, I, I think that people, I guess what I'm saying, David, is, for all the people who wanted a Miami guy, and I get it, Mike McIntyre isn't that. You know, he's from Nashville. Well, okay, he's born in Miami. We get it. He's, he, he, if you hear Mike McIntyre talk, he ain't sound like no one I've ever heard in Dade County, all right? So you get the point I'm making about him being from Nashville. Um, I think his personality is one that if FIU fans allow themselves to, like, I have to keep a critical eye. That's my job. But I think if FIU fans allow themselves to like his personality, they'll like the guy. I mean, that's just... <laughs> so that's just I just kind of want to get that out there and that's why I want to ask you that question Dave does that make sense yeah I think he's a hard guy like personally like a hard guy to dislike like whether you can take out the results outside of it of, of the actual game so I'm saying him, his personality is is one it's that it's tough to dislike he's, he seems like a genuinely nice just good dude yes I get what you're saying Okay. So glad that made sense there. All right, David. <laughs> so um, why don't we go ahead and do this? Why don't we go ahead and toss it to the Sean O'Gorman interview? Uh, we'll hear uh, bits and pieces of that, uh, whatever David edits. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear that. And then uh, we'll come out of that and then uh, do a little game preview uh, for FIU and Louisiana Tech. And then we will go into the FAU portion with either Kevin or Zach. So uh, let's toss it to the interview with former FIU wideout and special teamer Sean O'Gorman. I definitely have a special guest on the line. He is a former Panther. He sued up for the Panthers from 2016 to 2019. He is the pride of Wikiwachi, Florida. And uh, yeah, you know, one of my guys here. Definitely want to bring him on the line because we had a, a spirited discussion following the UTSA loss. And I uh, definitely wanted to give him some more room to expound on his thoughts, you know, have a really productive conversation here. Mr. Sean O'Gorman. Sean, how's it going? Hey, Eric. Eric, 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 thank you for having me, bro. You know, I want to start by saying that I appreciate you having me on, man. And and you're right. I am the spirit of FIU, man. That I, I bleed gold and blue, man. So, you know, I'm glad to be uh I'm glad to be on here. I'm glad to, you know, chop it up with you, man, and uh obviously get a little extension of our uh our, our, our Twitter uh timeline uh combo there. 
No, most definitely. And Sean, by the way, this is a very relaxed environment. So feel free, you know, that uh, that intro is probably the most formal thing I did there. This is a this is a pod. So, you know, if you want to cuss, you want to cuss, you can do whatever. Like, you feel free to uh, to be be loose. But to bring our listeners up to speed in case you did not uh, catch the, the conversation. So we'll cut right to the chase. As I mentioned, FIU lost 30 to 10 against UTSA. I tweeted out a uh, sent out a tweet. At 1.28 a.m. Uh, following the game, I was back in the hotel room, just kind of as I usually try to do following games, win, loss or otherwise, try to provide a little bit of color, something that, you know, fans may not see from the locker room or from the post game, because obviously uh, fans aren't really privy to that. You know, me being there, especially on the road, uh, for example, when FIU beat New Mexico State, you know, I like to tweet out things such as the Panthers were blasting Kodak. They did not blast Versatile, so that hurt me because that's my favorite Kodak song. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, they were blasting Kodak after the game. So I try to provide a little bit of color. I did tweet this out. Uh, you can find that presser uh, at FIUsports.com and on YouTube at FIU Sports. Just punch that in. You'll find the presser uh, from last week. But I said the line of the night from Mike McIntyre's postgame presser. He was asked about the Vice theme from Jonathan Mayer, uh, a favorite of Panther fans from uh, Panther Now. Uh, he was asked about the Vice theme. He said he expected Walt, uh, Walt Via of Miami Herald and myself to be dressed as the Miami Vice characters, which did draw uh, some laughs from the audience. Uh, and I said, for the record, I'm more Mike Lowry from Bad Boys than anything else. Um, but that was the that was the final question of the night for Mike McIntyre. Tweeted that out. Uh, Want to give Sean's response here. So Sean quote tweeted me and said, you know, outclass at home. Only relevant news this week was the Miami Vice field. And let's end the let's night end with a joke on the bright side. Looking forward to the costume contest on an end zone theme for Halloween versus Louisiana Tech. The good seasons at FIU, the standard was set from the top. Shrugs. So basically, Sean, I had a little bit of discourse. We know some former players. I did see uh, Napoleon Maxwell jumped in. I believe Sterling Palmer uh, and Sage Lewis jumped in as well. And, you know, some of the some of the um, I did see some fans as well as Sean, some parents of, of current players. Uh, chiming in as well. So basically what I wanted to do was open the floor to you to kind of expound on that tweet, because obviously on Twitter, you only got so many characters, you know, it's not right. really a forum for a back and forth. So really kind of expound on your perspective as a former player. And then I will try to provide some context as well for, for some people who had some questions. So uh, you're the guest in this house. I was going to kick, uh, go, let you go ahead and kick it off, my man. I, the floor is mine. Okay. Um, no, so look, I, I want to start out by saying to anyone I rubbed the wrong way, I do apologize, right? Um, one thing you got to understand about me is I did play in that locker room. I did wear that jersey. That degree does hang on my wall from FIU. So um, I, I speak from a wholesome uh, area when I speak about F FIU. And obviously, you know, people reading that tweet, they probably think I'm just blasting the program. And, and, and I get it. Look, here's the thing. I always speak from a player's uh, first perspective. And, you know, I, obviously, like I said, as a player, I played. And when, when I, in my time, you said 2016 to 2019, um, you know, here's the thing that the coaching staff aside, staff aside, I, I feel for the players. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, like I was saying, I, I, I am always, always players first, right. And obviously being playing and, and, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm currently director of NIL at first round management. And obviously being a player, I'm always going to be players first being an agent. Now I'm always going to be players first. And, 
you know, when I see a tweet like that, it it, 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 it frustrated me just because here's the deal. I feel for the players, you know. I mean, you mentioned 2016 to 2019. Butch inherited probably our worst season in a minute. Um, and, and I'll say this one thing is, is that 2016 team, I, I was there for three years. Um, that was our most talented team by far. And, and it was our worst record year. I think we were four and eight. Um, so it's like, I mentioned the standard, right? And, and it's like, I remember every writer in the country, every Conference USA writer, man, we were last, dead last in every prediction. We were predicting to win three games, end up winning eight, I think, and making the bowl berth, which was exciting, right? And, and I mentioned the standard at the end because, hey, the standard was set the first week or the first meeting. Right. And, and I tweeted that is, is Butch ended his first conversation with us of saying, and I'll never forget this, right. Of saying, um, I'll never do anything with you guys if it doesn't relate to winning. And that hit us like a rock. Why? Because we're not used to winning. We weren't used to winning. We won four games. We lost eight games. I don't know about you, but that's not being used to winning. Right. And last time I checked this team, um, they're not used to winning either. You know, and, and, and it's like as a guy who's been there, it's frustrating to see the jokes, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, Mike McIntyre may coach a little different way and, and that's fine. Right. But at the end of the day, I do feel for the players. And, 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 and the reason I feel for the players is because, Eric, I'll tell you one thing, man. We played in two, three bowl games. I cannot tell you a single score. I can't. But what I do remember is that feeling of winning and that feeling of being great and that feeling of, of making those bowl games and, 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 and the guys in the locker room. And, and man, you, you mentioned blasting Kodak, right? It's like you just said that in the intro. It's like I remember the songs we were playing after the Bahamas Bowl and after uh, even after the Gasparilla Bowl when we lost. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, man, these guys, I want them to experience this, right? And, and, and I say it starts from the top, man. It starts from the top, right? It's, it's, it, as a player's perspective, that's how I always look at it. I always will look at it. It's hard for me. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking if I was a player and I'm reading this on Twitter, like, you know, we just got outclassed at home and, and we're talking about the field. It's like, man, we should be talking about how we need to get better. You know, like it's, 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 I don't want it to be a, a, an every week thing where it's like, oh, we got to get better. You know, this on the coaching staff, this is on this, this is on that. Like, man, I remember when we used to win. You couldn't hear a, you, you would hear a pin drop on the bus. Like there's no joking. There's, there's no laughing. There's no, there's nothing funny about losing it. And, and no, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say winning is the only thing that matters, but man, winning cures a lot of things. And, um, I will say this, man, those guys work really hard. And, and, and I know they worked just as hard as the guys that were on the team when I played. And, and it's like there's talent on that field, man. There, there, there is. I mean, there's talent in that locker room. And, and I just feel for the guys, man. I, I really do. And like I said, I'm, I always come at it like a player's first approach, Eric. And I know you understand that. And, and I'm sure some of the Twitter warriors out there, like, I'm, I'm sure they don't get it. And they probably think I'm just bashing the program and, and to have trust and have faith. But it's like, man. These are the same – FIU fan base is not big. I mean, let's be honest. Um, the same fans that were here today were the same fans that I was there before, right, like when I was playing. And, you know, it was never a thing of trust the process because we won. 
And whether it was close or we won, there was always something that there was they were complaining about. So my thing is maybe I have a little PTSD from those times because it's like we were good. We worked hard. We won games. We made bowl games. And um, there were still always complaints. And it's like I see this. It's like, man, look, Eric, don't get me wrong. Positive light in the program. The Miami Vice field, that's cool, dude. It's phenomenal. CBS, all the retweets, all the engagement. I love it for the program. But what I really love for the program is winning. You know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about other programs, but it's like this is this is the bottom line, Eric. And and it's a school in Miami, a damn good school educationally. I'm proud to have, like I mentioned my degree on the wall. I'm proud of that degree on the wall. Not only because I played football there, but because I graduated there. And that's a good school to get a degree from, right? Um, my point is great location, good football, good weather, good entertainment, good career opportunities post football, whether you don't make the NFL or whether you make the NFL or not. And it's just like, you got to think about this holistically. It's like recruits are looking at this stuff. Transfers are looking at this stuff. Um, you know, going back to winning, man, winning cures. People want winners. People want to be a part of, of winners. You know, I mean, I think someone, someone was talking about all the, all the, like what players did Butch bring in? And, and it's like, you know, I, there's, there's some guys on there that are making plays in the league. And it doesn't even matter about those guys because it's all the other guys that were brought in. But let me tell you something. If we weren't winning, I can't tell you all those guys come here. You know, that staff was phenomenal at recruiting. Don't get me wrong, Coach Ice and 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 all and Bryn and, and all those guys, they were phenomenal at recruiting. They could recruit the best of them, right? But it's like, you know, when you sit here and 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 people can say whatever they want about uh guys like Taylor Humphrey and and Tier Tart. But, like, those guys, last time I checked, they were the number one players at their position in JUCO. So when you choose FIU over Bama, Florida, Florida State, Texas, pre-NIL era, well, let me tell you, it's not because you're losing. It's because you're winning. You buy into the vision. You buy into the standard. So that's my point is, yes, maybe it is a little early for this team. Maybe they don't have a standard. Maybe there isn't an expectation. Maybe it is hey, this is year one of a rebuild phase. But for me, as a player who's played in year one of a rebuild phase, and we went out and won eight games and made a bowl game for the first time in whoever knows long and kept the expectation rolling, like that's where I'm coming from. And like I said, there's only hundred, less than 100 people in that locker room. So if my message only applies to those 100 guys that are in the locker room, I get it. But I know the players on the team feel me. You know, and at the end of the day, I can't speak for a staff. I'm not part of the program no more. I Do I represent players on that team? Yes. And I feel for those guys. But not only the guys I represent, but the guys on the team too. Because like I said, I know what it feels like to win. And Eric, man, it feels good. So, Sean, I'm going to respond to a couple points. And like I said, I wanted to give you the floor to, you know, kind of expound on your thoughts and expound on where you're coming from. I feel, A, as the person who, who sent out the tweet, um, not that I'm necessarily responsible for defending Mike McIntyre. It, that's not my role. You know, that's, you know, that's never been my role. Uh, my role is always provide context for anything I write, anything I tweet. Um, so this is what I would say. And I'm not necessarily, not necessarily saying this applies to you, Sean, specifically, because you could say this about anybody. I mean, it's kind of the time we live in. Um your tweets are probably going to get more attention than like the articles I write, especially after the loss. 
That's just the fact. You know, after a win, people may take the time to read my articles. Um, but after a loss, people, you know, probably want to take the time to, to check the tweets. The reason I lead with that is because, and I said this to you, and I want to get this out for the greater audience. Mike McIntyre opens all of his pressers, especially the ones after losses. But whenever I ask him, at least in the six games that you know we've gotten to do this, whenever I ask him about things that were deficiencies with the team, he always starts with, hey, we got to coach him better. That starts with me. I got to coach him better as we as a staff have to find ways to put our guys in better position. So I, I want to state that up front because I think it could, if you don't, if you didn't read the postgame story, it could get lost in the shuffle as if Mike McIntyre, you know, didn't take accountability for the things that happened and only, you know, let out with a joke, which also, again, to provide context, as I said, that was the last, uh, it was the last line in the presser and it was a question was asked, you know, if, and I guess my feeling, Sean, was this, and, you know, I'm going to get through a couple of points and I'll toss it back to you and, you know, and we'll kind of go from there and close it up. But uh, my feeling was this, if Matt came into the presser and, his first thing was like looking at me and Walt and was like, Oh, where's your guys, you know, Miami vice clothes. Uh-huh. Then like, you know what I'm saying? Then like, that's different than him being asked a question and saying that on, on the back end. So that's the point, the, the first point I'll make this, the, the next point I'll make is this. And I think this is, you know, now that we've gotten the, the tweet to me, Sean is like the superficial part. I, I want to get, this is to me is, is the meaty part that I, I want to address for, you know, some fans who've had these concerns. And I think for former players, who've had these concerns. Because, Sean, you know this, the, the, what I'll call commentary from former players, guys who earned their stripes, some of my favorite guys to cover, like Sage Lewis, you know, and which I will continue to say. Sage, that entire 20, 2019, yeah, 2019 group, because COVID-19, right? So 2019 group, senior class, they were affected like, by COVID by no other, like no other. And the, and the fact yep. that Sage... If Sage and we see Maurice Alexander finally get his chance in the NFL, but Sage, Anthony Jones, Napoleon Maxwell, others, if they don't come out in a COVID year in which, you know, pro days canceled, you know, all the opportunities to work out for scouts get canceled. If, yep. if they come out in a regular year, I'm telling you right now, Sage Lewis is in the NFL. Napoleon Maxwell spent time on practice squads. Obviously, Anthony Jones spent time in practice squads. So just want to throwing, say that. Those throwing guys, Shane Magoo. You know, Shane Magoo. Uh, Shane, yeah, Shane's another guy. Shane, absolutely. Shane's another guy. Um, those guys earn their stripes. So they have all the right in the world to, to, to make comments. But Sean, I do think this is something that, that to provide context should be known. All the respect in the world for Butch Davis. I have a fine relationship with Butch, you know, Butch and I talk, I don't want to say fairly regularly, but we exchange texts ever so often and I have a good relationship with Drew Davis. The, the program that Butch Davis took over, as you mentioned in 2016, uh, was one of the more talented teams. And you look at the players who ended up being contributors in 2017 and 2018, that statement bears out. I just want to provide some context, guys. I mean, Sean, when FIU ended the year last year at Southern Miss, they only had 54 guys in Hattiesburg. That's, that's number one. Number two, this is an extremely young group, young group. I'm not saying that a coach should come in there and be like, all right, well, you know what, we're young, so we're going to lose. I've asked Mike McIntyre that question from Conference USA Media Days. I asked him, hey, do you believe – uh, you have a group that can compete right away. He says, yes, he'll never say this to me, but, and I'm not speaking for him. I'm speaking for me. They don't have a group right now that can compete immediately and can have a quick turnaround like your 2017 team did. That's just a fact they, they they're still depleted in terms of depth. 
you know, they're only playing Sean sometimes at offensive line, you know, Butch Davis, sometimes Butch in 2017 and 18 would have nine offensive linemen. They could play, you know, this, this year they've got six, if they're lucky. Um, It's still a, it's still a group that's that, that is growing and learning is really young. So my response to you was, you know, Hey, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to come in there and throw chairs and whatnot? And I was being sarcastic, but for the fans, for for the fans, and I'm going to toss back to you on this, Sean, for the fans who, want to you know want expectations want want results immediately and get a little frustrated with max demeanor i almost think sean with a group like this that again they have to believe in that locker room that that they can win and no one in that locker room is gonna sit there and say we can lose we're gonna lose but when they are outmanned the way they are sometimes mac has held them accountable like i've seen you know first i blew actually not first i want to say it was the third fall practice when he stopped practice midway through and, and lit into him and said, hey, if you guys want to be 1-11 again, you can practice like this or else we can pick it up and, and get things going. I've seen that side of Mike McIntyre, but he also can't be the guy that's just beating down on him every week because, just quite frankly, Sean, this group isn't 2016. Like, they're going to take some losses. If we're having this conversation this time next year, it's a different story, but I'll end it on this. I would tell you, um, any former Panther player who hears this and Panther fans, don't judge them on Western Kentucky and UTSA. Judge them this week at Charlotte, next week against Louisiana Tech, because now six games in where the group has gotten some experience, it's a little more comparable on talent level. But with that, I'll toss it back to you. Nah, Eric, and, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm with you, man. And, and look, uh, I hate to say it, put business into this, but hey, the, the staff knows that if they win, they stay. If they lose, they go, right? So whatever they put on the field and whatever that box score says at the end of the day, like, that, that that's that's their job security right so at the end of the day you know that's that's for them to figure out not me and and i i my my intention was not really to make this a butch davis mcintyre comparison that, that was not my point right i but the only thing i can speak about is what i know right and that's what i know is is the butch davis era and, and that's what i was a part of right and and back to my main point is i just feel for the players you know, I just know as a player that if we lost to UTSA on a uh, vice night and the line was talking about what you're wearing, uh, it would just rub me the wrong way. You know, and, and like I said, different times, different expectations, different standards. I know this is a new group. I know they're not jailed yet. And you're right. I'm not sitting here saying they should beat Western. But should they get beat 73 nothing? No way in hell. Um, that's just my opinion. And you're right. You are very right. The Charlotte, the, the, I think you said, uh, La Tech, like that, that's going to be a good, um, a good example of where this team is at and, and, and where they're growing. And if they're growing, if they're staying stagnant, if they're declining, right. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, there is talent in that team. They got a Mackie, uh, watch this guy at tight end. They got a Blitnikoff, watch this guy at, at receiver. They have experience at O line. Um, de- you know the defense maybe is a little, uh, little green in in regards of experience and, and moving some guys around. But you know you see some guys like Sean P make some plays. And at the end of the day, like when you're not as talented, like we were blessed, man. You know you got to think our running backs were Price, Ton, Napoleon Maxwell, uh, and, you know uh, Alex Gardner, like. Man, we were stacked, right? And then you got C.J. Ward, Austin Maloney, Farrell McKeever, Alex 
Magoo or, or James Morgan at quarterback, like, yeah, right. I mean, maybe I do take it a little bit for granted, right? I mean, we were stacked. And then that's not even talking about the defensive side, right? But at the end of the day, like, I'm all about the process. I'm cool with the process, right? But I also understand that part of this process, if it wants to go an upward trend, it, it starts now, right? Like, you know, I don't want to be cliche and say the time is now, right? But, like, the time is now. Right, what you do now will affect your recruiting cycle, will affect your transfer cycle, will affect if kids stay, if kids go. Um, you know, it it affects a lot of things. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, I apologize if I was a little harsh, right? But but it comes from a good place in my heart because I do love the program, man. I do love the program. I want FIU to be good, man. I I've, I don't go there anymore. I don't play there anymore. But as an alumni, I want them. I want them to be good and. And why do I want them to be good? Because I want the players to experience what they should experience, right? I, I had a phenomenal time at FIU, my undergrad, best time of my life. The best thing that made it ha- like the best part of it was winning, was gelling. Are we? Am I as close with some of those guys now um, as I am, as I would be if we didn't win? Probably not. Like those years to me, they still work. Like I still. Um, they, they still affect me today. Like Trey Williams, uh, the linebacker, like he was just at an XFL workout this morning uh, with St. Louis because I helped him get there. You know what I'm saying? Like A.J. Johnson, D. Lyman, like he has a workout in the future. Like like I was at the game with James Morgan, like Austin Maloney, like these guys, you know, C.J. Warren, like these, some of these guys, I rep C.J. Warren in the CFL. It's like so, these are lifelong friendships, right? But they're based on – how much fun we had, how, how, how much we gelled. And it's like, I understand it's hard to gel with a team when you're losing, right? That four and eight team that I was telling you about when RT got fired and, and Coop took over, like when, when coach Coop took over, it was like re it was like a, a new day. Like it was like, forget everything else. Let's go have fun. What do we do? We go win. Like, I think it was like three of our last five. And like in, towards the end, we were like almost competing for a bowl game for a bowl game. And for us, it was insane because we started off losing with UMass and these other teams. and We were playing horribly. Um, but it's like, I just feel for the players, man. And, and, and I'm a believer. You know, I, I have no choice but to be, be, a, be a believer. I'm an FIU guy. So I want them to do good. I hope Coach Mack and the staff get these guys right in. And, and, and deep down, I think they will. The talent is there. The scheme, we'll see. But... Um, like you said, that's a TBD type of thing. And, and, and I think my main message was it's, it wasn't a comparison for me. I always think players first, and, and that's where my frustration comes. And, you know, for anyone says, like, I'm slandering the program, like, man, I, I played for the program. Like, there's, there's people on Twitter that reply to me. It's like, I love, the, I love the juice. I love the fact that you're an alumni and you're a fan. But, like, you know, I was on that team. Like, it's different. It's a little different, right? Um, so, I mean, for that, it's like I'm still going to go to every game. Western Kentucky, they got blown out. I showed up the next week. I still love that team. Um, so, you know, I, there's better days ahead, you know, and, and, and I'm hoping that the staff gets it right. But at the end of the day, um, the whole, like, we got to get better. Like, you know, we're developmental. Like, we're young. Like, I mean, that stuff only works so long, man, you know, and it's getting, like you said, these next two weeks, it's like, if it doesn't go well these next two weeks, like, 
there's really not much to say about that anymore. Like my my point is going to be kind of proven. Like we have just as much talent as the next two teams we play, if not more. Um, and you know, if you think about a New Mexico win, it's like, eh, it's great. It's a W. I'm more concerned about Bryant. We taking them to double OT, right? Like that's a good, good, solid FCS team with the rocking head coach from Columbus. But you could tell, like, that team was disciplined, man. They're hungry. Like when I see the kids, it's like I don't know. I don't know. I, when I see the scheme, this is—is is, are they hungry? You know, like if you're an underdog, being an underdog, but still have that fire, you know. And that's what I want. I just want the kids to have juice. I want the team to have juice and win or lose, like. I'll tell you what, you talked about the UTSA game, like those guys kept fighting. It didn't matter who was in the game. You could have put trash cans out there. Those guys were still fighting. And when I left that game, that was the positive note for me, you know? Most most definitely. And 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 Sean, I do want to say, like, that's one of the things. And you and I, you know, again, we we may disagree on, you know, a couple things here and there, um, in specificity of talent, but I do think it's clear that this group, for as young as they are, I think uh it's a good point to close on is that they do keep fighting. I think that's yeah, one hundred percent. But Sean, I want to allow you before we uh, close this one up here. Want to allow you to plug uh, anything you want to plug. Have at it, man. You know, social. What have you got going on? Work. Anything you want to plug. Have at it. All right. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I appreciate that, Eric. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm I'm gonna just reiterate this. I'm FIU till I die, baby. All right. Um, if any, if you guys are ever interested in NIL space, I am the director of NIL First Round Management. Make sure you tap in with us at at First Round Management on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I almost said MySpace. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to shoot me, uh, my, my personal is agent.og on Instagram. You know, we're doing some big things with, with your Panthers. Rivaldo Fairweather. Shout out Rivaldo Fairweather. That's my guy. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in this program. I'm a big believer in the players. I'm always, I'm a, I'm a player for the players, you know. So, uh, with that being said, you know, I don't really got much to shout out, man. I'm just a, I'm a fan like everybody else with a little bit of a different perspective because I played. So, to all the fans out there. Hey, just like when I was playing, I appreciate your support, and I still do. At the end of the day, the only hashtag that matters, forget Elevate, forget uh, Why Not Us. The only thing that matters is hashtag pause up. So at the end of the day, pause up, baby. All right. So you heard the interview with Sean. Uh, David, we won't spend too long on it because, again, it's rather outdated. Um, But I do remember you you had a a couple thoughts because I sent that to you ahead of time for editing. Um, just whatever thoughts you want to add on that before we jump into Louisiana Tech, you know, your thoughts on, on not, and I asked you about the comments, but that specific interview, um, anything you want to add at, at all? Um, n- not really anything that I want to add that I didn't mention a bit earlier. I I, I do think that, you know, I, I bet you if, if we recorded that this week, he might have a different tone <laughs> with, with the, with the team, um, like, you know, the way it's going, um, you know, and, and, and and I get I, I, it's hard for me to say I, I get where he's coming from because I, I I don't but I get where he's coming from in the fact that I guess he's so used to one thing that something that's very different is and it's you know in that in that case we had just lost um, I guess it doesn't resonate as well with someone I guess who was experienced firsthand of you know another coach um, so you know I, I I kind of wholeheartedly disagree with him but. You know, besides that, yeah, I, I don't think I have much more to add. No, yeah, I mean, it's all fair. And again, you know, Sean knows he has an open standing invite, you know, for he wants to come on. So we'll we'll recap at the end of the year. And quite frankly, I hope uh, not just former players, but fans 
who may, you know, be skeptical, like do it after a full year. And, and, and that was my, listen, again, if this were a team like 2019 that had great expectations, yeah, then feel free to drop your hot takes after week three, week four with this team, at least give it a year before, you know, you really kind of go wholesale on those assessments. So uh, those are those thoughts, but anyhow, all right, we will go ahead and get into the FIU preview of the contest this week uh, against Louisiana tech, David, a very, very interesting matchup. As you mentioned in the first part of this podcast, this is a game I did have FIU winning ahead of time. The Louisiana tech Bulldogs are coached first year, Sonny Cumbie, former Texas tech, quarterback former texas tech offensive coordinator the reason i lead with that is if you know anything about texas tech offense at least back in their heyday you know they're going to throw the football around right and that is the offense that sunny cumbie has run david i want to give you a look at some of their scores as of late while they are two and five i I think this may be the reason why they are listed as an eight point favorite they go uh, lose at missouri to open the year 52 to 24 put up 52 points against Stephen f austin Lose at Clemson 48 to 20, lose at South Alabama 38-14. Now, of course, you know, the games against power five opponents, uh, some of the or a lot of that scoring was in garbage time, but hey, uh it, it ain't easy to score against Clemson, right? So we'll give them that. I was, yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then they uh they put up 41 in the win over UTEP. 47-27. They just couldn't stop the rushing attack of, of North Texas, which not very many people have been able to. Uh, this year so they lose 47 27 lose a shootout in overtime that uh saw mike bloomgren or so excuse me saw sonny cumby choose to go for two in overtime because he felt his, his team wasn't getting stopped defensively they did not convert and they lost 42 41 so that's why they lost that game so anyhow let's see i've said here one two of uh, three 40 point games a 27 a 27 a 20 and a 24. So anyhow, uh, the Sunny Cumbie offense for what they're trying to do, they are they are put up some points and they are getting yardage. Um, that's kind of the quick preview of Louisiana Tech. Their quarterback situation is one to keep an eye on. Uh, Parker McNeil was, been, for the most part, has been the starter. He got banged up last week. Uh, so it could be former Georgia quarterback Matthew Downing. Could be Landry Liddy as well because – they had a couple guys get hurt, but uh, definitely keep an eye on the quarterback situation. As I mentioned, that offense, the quarterbacks will be the one who makes things go. Marquise Crosby on the ground has had an up-and-down year as a running back. Through the air, it's going to be the Harris guys. Uh, Trey Harris, Smoke Harris. Those are going to be the two guys for sure to keep an eye on. And Smoke Harris, um, a guy who, quite frankly, has been one of the more consistent players in all of Conference USA uh, for the past few years as a slot guy. So definitely keep an eye on that. And Griffin Abier. A former receiver turned tight end. Keep an eye on him as well. Uh, defensively, I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. Um, their best defensive player in Tyler Grubbs, uh, star linebacker. He's out for the rest of the year. So FIU should have some success, at least in the run game, because they're going to have trouble stopping the run. Uh, on the outside, they have B.J. Williamson uh, as a very good defensive back, Jaden Cole as well. So quick preview of the Bulldogs. But all right, David, with that all out of the way, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing from the Panthers on Friday night? This Is this the week, David? Is this the week? I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Will we see you at the cage this week, David? Yes or no? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. All right. Uh, Let's the go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> the prodigal son returns. I will be there Friday night. Um, I'm very pumped actually. I'm, I, 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 by the way, as we we're speaking, I, I was just like curious. I want to go check the spread and it's already down to six and a half. 
Oh. So oh. look at Vegas. Vegas is shaking in their boots, Eric. <laughs> they, they're 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 tired of me taking their money. <laughs> All right. So now that we know you will be there, I can announce that uh, Dave and I will do a Twitter Spaces. Um, now that we've had the opportunity, and it was well received when technical difficulties didn't get in the way, and now that we'll be at the same place at the same time for the first time, uh, I will find David at the tailgate, and um, we'll do a Twitter Spaces. But all right. All that out of the way, as I mentioned, what are you looking forward to? Or what are you looking for from the Panthers to carry over from Charlotte? And uh, what are your expectations on Friday night? Uh, I'm just looking. I'm just looking forward to them to seeing if they can continue on the consistency, if they can continue to build on that defense, to see how they hold up against La Tech. Um, you know, if they can continue this trend of really, like I said, this past month, I think we've seen some real growth there. Um, you know, continue to cause some turnovers. But the offense is, is what I'm very more curious to see if they can actually build off this momentum of, you know, they just put up 34 points and, and still kind of left maybe a couple points on the board. But if they can pitch a full game and, and really, you know, score a good amount and, yeah, I just see them feel more comfortable in the system. See, you know, if, if guys like Mitchell and Bracey can continue to, you know, because obviously Tyrese, you know, is going to get his, you know, he's going to get his, um, but just seeing more, more of these other weapons continue to break out and, and see if we can put up points because, you know, obviously we put up 34 this week. We only put up 10 last week. UConn, I think we only had like 12 or 10 um, around there. And I think this is the first time since Bryant that we've put up over 30. Um, so if we can kind of just see if we can consistently get back, like get to that range, whether it's the 28 to 35 range, uh, I think we should be able to win. Uh, I'm actually expecting. I don't. I don't. I don't care that we're an underdog. Not that I'm. I'll be upset if. That, well, I guess I'll, I'm always kind of sad when we lose. But I, I do think that this is a game that we can win. We're at home. Um, you know, hopefully there is a bit more a larger crowd than the UTSA game. Um, hopefully it's it's leaning to, more towards the uh, the first two games of the season. But you know, I'm just I, I'm I'm I just want to see if if they can just continue running the David Eos offense as they ran it against Charlotte and, um, you know, put up some points and, and get a win. Cause I think the defense, surprisingly, right at the beginning of the year, I was more worried about the defense and not that I think the defense, you know, is, is perfect right now, but I just see, I see them trending more upward than the offense was. And this week for me really was like, okay, this offense really can be special. Um, you know, continue to play mistake free football and continue to run the ball well, I think we could, you know, should be able to put up points against this La Tech team. Yeah, David, I will give you my assessment as well. The reason, and as I said, I was picking FIE before the season. The reason I feel comfortable with that assessment now, A, um, Louisiana Tech, they're a lot like FIU, mixing a lot of new guys, new schemes on both sides of the ball. That's tough. I mean, especially that type of offense, which, you know, David Yost is a spread offense. This is more, much more of a Texas Tech air raid. Not that they don't run the ball, but this is very much more of, of you know, that old school air raid offense. Without Tyler Grubbs, that's a huge loss. Um, Grubbs is one of the best players in Conference USA, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But for FIU, listen, man, um, big Grayson James, in, in terms of his progression, and it almost feels tough because with Hayden Carlson, you know, Hayden got thrown into a tough situation at Western Kentucky. So we don't necessarily know what would have occurred had he come in a different situation. Um, with, of course, Gunnar Holmberg knocked out with the concussion and the injury. We don't know what would have happened there. 
With that being said, Grayson is really growing up. Um, and that's going to happen. David, this was my assessment of Grayson and Hayden going into the year that I, the things that I thought they need to improve on, they weren't going to do it in practice. They were going to need reps on the field. And, you know, Grayson's been the beneficiary of that. And listen, I think, and, and I said it um, on the FIU pre, pregame show, I said it a couple places. This offense is going to have a chance to grow the next two weeks. Charlotte, not a good defense. Louisiana Tech, a struggling defense, even when they had Tyler Grubbs. This is going to be an opportunity for him to build on that performance. The O-line could be rounding into form a little bit more. Still, you know, say as deep as you would like, but they're growing. David, a guy we didn't talk about, and, and, and forgive me as, you know, kind of the driver of this podcast, I need to give you 30 seconds to upon his performance. Andrew Volmar. So let's talk about what you saw to him, because that's another guy who I think, especially – you know, with CJ Christian being out in the secondary, Henry Gray, uh, him his decision to enter the portal. If Volmar can step up and be, he doesn't have to be as, as good as he was last week, but step up and and fill that role uh, defensively. Things are going to start to round into form. But I, I do want to give you thirty seconds to talk about. I mean, you watched the you saw the entire game, right, David? Yeah, no, I saw the entire game, um, and nothing but good things. <laughs> he, he was a stud out there, and yeah, I, I guess we didn't mention that that Gray did uh, leave the team. And he stepped yeah. up and, and um, you know, him and, and that DB unit in general, just like, you know, I, I, I have nothing. I, I thought they played like really well. And obviously he had the interception. He had the pass breakup. Um, you know, I, he, he, you know, if he can play like that the rest of the season and, and continue the rest of the unit too, if they could just continue to step up like that, um, you know, I, I, I think that DB unit, for as young as they are, can be pretty special. Yeah, yeah, definitely want to outline that because Mike McIntyre said post game that there hasn't been one player on defense who's improved more from spring to now. So uh, that also is another reason why I am picking FIU. So don't have a final score yet. I'll have that in the game preview. Wait, Eric, I, Eric, actually, I need you to pick. I need you to pick uh, a lot tech. Uh, listen, like you. You, you oh, against oh you we're, we're going with this one. We're going, go, go, give it to me. Give it to me. Go ahead. I'll take it. You Scott said it against to FIU. You. Scott, Scott said it to both in both in both wins. I need you to continue to pick against FIU <laughs> so that you know we we don't want you we don't need your jinx over here, Eric. We need you to continue picking FIU the, the opponent so we can win. <laughs> For all of the new FIU fans, yeah, I'm calling y'all newbies, not David, but the rest of y'all newbies. I spent the better part of two years, 2018 and 2019, picking FIU a lot. Not because out of being like a homer, because I thought they'd win. So for everyone who's coming at me now, everyone's trying to come at me now for these picks, y'all know what y'all can do. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, 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 am, I am playful in nature about that. It does not bother me. Uh, Scott also as well came to me. It talked about that. So we had a we had a good laugh about that. Um, listen, I, I I professionally I have to make a pick in the pick that it, it's in my best estimation. But I hope fans know I, I hope and players know it, it ain't personal. Like uh, it's much more fun to cover a winning team than a losing team. I, I, I So with that being said, all right, David, uh, maybe we'll see. Keep an eye out for the game preview. And we'll see who I pick. All right. <laughs> with, with that. I'll give you my pick. Yeah, I'm going to say. I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna go 35-14 FIU. Oh, okay, okay. So my boy's going for a strong, a follow-up strong defensive <laughs> performance, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Eric. All right. Well, you heard it there. David will be at the cage, which means because listen, David, when's the last time I've seen you, bro? 
Um, since I think the spring practice, we spring did practices. the live podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. the last time. So the fact that my boy has been missing in action the entire season, uh, definitely got to find him pregame, dap him up, and we'll do a little Twitter spaces, have some fun. Um, so yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. And now we'll go ahead and transition into FAU. All right, for the FAU portion of the show, we are joined by a frequent guest, a favorite of the Shulable podcast. As always, you can find him on Twitter at Zach, that is Z-A-C-H, Weinberger, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. He's the FAU sports writer and some Dolphins also for the Palm Beach Post. And uh, coming up, I, I think, what, FAU 22, the last time we talked, if you were a grad or, or, or were you a recent grad or a upcoming grad? Either way, he's going to be class of 2022 of the great Florida Atlantic University. That's Mr. Zachary Weinberger. Zach, how's it going tonight? Going amazing. Yeah, obviously just celebrating this Wednesday night, you know, just kind of coming back from FDU practice this morning. And I'm, I'm trying to remember as well at the last, I think I was just a recent grad. So just kind of, you know, post-grad sort of uh, just living right now. <laughs> Listen, nothing wrong with that, man. I, I it wasn't too long ago that I, I uh, was living that same life, so I can definitely relate and understand to that. But without further ado, Zach, let's go ahead and jump into things all FAU. So um, it's been a while since we've had you on, but you know, obviously, some things have kind of. Uh, I mean, I guess there's no way to sugarcoat it. You know, we've kind of gone awry for the Owls. I mean, it's been. Uh, I guess you could say much of the same, really, you know, the entire Willie Taggart tenure, you know, right when you think things are on the right track and they're going to, you know, get things headed in the right direction, uh, it comes a a streak or a stretch of play that is, is, you know, probably infuriating or not probably, we know it's going to be infuriating to fans because of the situation that the Owls are in, they are coming off a loss. Uh, Zach, um, as this team heads, you know, to play uh, UAB, um, what are we kind of looking at here? I mean, I don't think there's there's any two ways about it. You know, the uh, the loss at Purdue, you know, the loss at, at North Texas, the loss to uh, UTEP, the near loss, I think you can say, to uh, to Rice. That's what I was struggling with right there. But it's the team that, quite frankly, hasn't played good football over the last month. Uh, you know, what would you kind of attribute to that? Yeah, you know, and I, I always hate to sort of repeat myself every single week and when I go on blue show or when I go on your show, I feel like I always have to sort of have a disclaimer with how I feel about the program. Whereas just, you know, I'm not totally convinced about Willie Taggart as the head coach. I'm not totally convinced on this team and uh, I'm still not. And, you know, I know a lot of, I always get those uh, certain comments under my tweets when I live tweet the game about certain coaching decisions that need to be happening. Um, but, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the squad, like you just said, I mean, you, you look at sort of the records, I mean, since last year, the team is one and nine on the road. Uh, and, you know, again, that, that loss against UTEP was sort of the, the same thing over and over again. You know, they had, they had opportunities. They didn't capitalize. They keep beating themselves up. It's never really the other team beating them. It's always them beating themselves. We hear it every week. So you're just kind of looking at this point. You just want to win. A, you want to win a, you know, go to a bowl game and you, are, you only have four games left. You have UAB, like you said. The one, I guess, uh, bright, you know, bright spot here, the three and one at home. You know, and so they have UAB, a really tough team. They love to run the football a lot. Uh, Rice beat them. We beat Rice. So that's that's the one bright spot. But really, this team just they they just need to look prepared. That's really what it has to be. 
Zach, I'm going to put you on the spot. And listen, if you need Uh-oh. to take a pass, you can. Uh, I, I, As <laughs> okay. a fellow beat writer, I understand the position that I'm putting you in. So I probably, uh-huh. of all people, can empathize if you want to take a pass. But <laughs> if I were to say that FAU looks like a conflicted team offensively, and that is, in my, summers, in, in, in my opinion, uh, emphasis on my opinion, that is a byproduct of having two offensive forces competing. That would be an offensive minded head of offensive minded coach and Willie Taggart and an offensive coordinator and Brent Dearman that are of, of different philosophies. What would you say to that? I, I don't know because, and I hate to use that as a cop out answer, but you know, we saw a lot of that same thing, you know, last season where the offense just keeps kind of missing out on these opportunities where they can lead and win games. So if he's, you know, if the philosophies are competing between Taggart and, and Dearman, they're definitely were competing between Taggart and Johnson from last season. Uh, I, I don't know because, you know, it's funny because looking at it on paper, you look at this offense and obviously the, the stats will tell you that they, that they should be, they should be putting up more points than they should. They should be winning games, but it's just really the mistakes, you know, and I don't want to say it's all coaching because you get a lot of drops in these games and you, and you get, and you get a lot of missed throws from Nikosi Perry, who's looked rattled at a lot of times. Um, so I guess maybe I'm leaning towards no on the, on the sort of conflicting philosophies. I just think it's more so that I'm not sure if the coaching is really up to par as a collective unit, you know, and obviously Dearman and Taggart put themselves at the front of that and say that you know, we have to be better, but there's not a lot of time to be better. You know, they really have to play their best football uh, for, in program for in Taggart's tenure in these last four games. And, you know, it, and it has to start Saturday when, when they face UAB. How would you assess Nikosi Perry's play? I mean, he's someone who I've been very high on from the time. I mean, hell, I, I had a chance to see not his first career start, but his first real extended action. It came in FIU's 2018 loss at Hard Rock Stadium when he was a member of the Hurricanes. Ever since then, I've been really high on the former, what, four-star recruit from Ocala. Um, how would you assess his play? Um, you know, I, I mean, not necessarily in his entire FAU tenure, but just in this year, in this this year in specificity, excuse me. Yeah, you know, listen, I, it's funny because kind of going into last season, you know, um, I, I, I truly thought and just coming from the first couple games, you really thought that this guy had the opportunity to to be possibly if, one of, if not the most talented FAU quarterback they've seen. You know, that he had the opportunity, he had the big arm. He had, you know, the, the play calling around him in those first few games last season that he looks really good. But it's been very inconsistent, you know, and he's had so many good games where he makes these unbelievable throws. Uh, but what we saw this season is that he makes those unbelievable throws, but then he really just doesn't connect on the easy throws, on the routine throws, on the out routes, you know, and it just, it's been such a, just a, you know, a, a quagmire of some sort of an anomaly that, you know, we, we've seen the talent that Nikosi has. We saw it in, in Miami when, when he played those couple games and he, you know, he upset Florida State. You know, we, we, we're seeing that in FAU, but I don't know. I mean, obviously you can definitely account, uh, to maybe LeJonte West or Jaquan Burden to having some sort of drops, but really when, he, when he's on a roll, he's on a roll, but it's it just, you know, this team loves to run the football a lot, you know, so I think that you really want to get him into rhythm and during games, but it, it's, it's been weird because, you know, it really does seem like some of the confidence is not there, especially in kind of red zone situations where I think I think in that one drive against UTEP, he had like a couple fumbles, especially one of the naked bootleg on fourth down. And 
it's it's been it's been just so weird, you know. It's been kind of a weird season it's because again, starting with Nikosi Perry, it's like you've seen those flashy, really good moments, but you've also seen some really bad moments. So, um, so it, it's just been weird. Couple more, and we'll get you out of here. I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of job talk. I mean, we've got what another month before we can get into that. I'm sure uh, fans want to talk about it, but look, you know, we, we've I, in my mind, this is kind of always my philosophy, Zach. You got to at least cross that threshold of not being bowl eligible before you, you get there. Yeah. So the yeah. Owls have a chance to avoid that talk for a week if they can beat UAB. What's it going to take? I mean, you take a look, and of course the Blazers come in a little bit banged up. The status of starting quarterback Dylan Hopkins up in the air, suffered a concussion, I want to say it was the first quarter, I believe, uh, of that game against Western Kentucky, former mm-hmm. Baylor transfer, uh, Zay- Jacob Zeno. Wow, you can tell I have done three radio spots today. I am struggling to put <laughs> Let's try this one more time, folks. Baylor transfer Jacob Zeno came in and went three of 10. Uh, didn't right. look great, but of course, he'll have a full week of prep uh, as a quarterback. But of course, everything starts with UAB, Dwayne McBride, and Jermaine Brown Jr. So just kind of talk about your expectations for the Owls on Saturday, UAB. Well, you know, you, you just mentioned uh, just two names that I was going to mention it's Dwayne McBride and Jermaine Brown. You know, they're, they're, they're going to run the football a lot. I mean, just looking kind of at how many yards rushing they, they do. They average about 241 rushing yards per game. I mean, and when it comes to FU and stopping the run, they, they've, they've allowed, uh, you know, 167. So that's going to be the key. I know it's the key every week, according to, you know, you know defensive coordinator Todd Orlando and Taggart and a lot of the defensive players, you know, even talking to Evan Anderson for the first time since, you know, beginning of the season, coming back from the injury, he's going to be huge in, in defending the run as well. Um, then that's going to be the first key because that's how they sort of keep possessions away from FAU's offense. You know, we, we saw Rice, we've seen UTEP. They love to keep the ball. They love the time of possession. Uh, UAB is, is really no different, you know, so you have to stop Dwayne McBride. who has been having a really nice season, 975 yards so far, 11 touchdowns. I mean, the guy has been great. Um, that's going to be the first key, man, because if you could stop the run, then really you can possibly take advantage of, maybe not having your starting quarterback there for you would be in the force him to throw. So it's going to be key. You, you want a guy like Evan Anderson in this game. That's for sure. And he, he's back. Uh, obviously, they're easing him into it. But even then, when they ease him in, he's, he's at the top of the leaderboards and, and tackles. And so it, it's going to be key uh, for, for UAB, for FAU to stop the run. One more for you, and we'll get you out of here, Zach. I'm going to spin it forward a bit. And I know this may be a tough question to answer because it, part of this may hinge on the result of the UAB game. But in my now entering, or not entering, uh, in my fifth season covering FIU, I've had two Shula Bowls at home, two on the road. It's always been hard to assess the feeling of the FAU fan base around Shula Bowl week. Uh, when they have to travel to Miami because the first year that I covered the team and the game was in Miami, the team wasn't that good record-wise, but they came in and upset the Panthers. And then the last time, uh, again, it wasn't that the team, you know, it wasn't, they weren't bad, but they weren't great either. So um, two-part question, we'll get you out of here. What's the feeling of the fan base overall? And then what could kind of be the feeling of the fan base? You know, I, I will let you, um, assess it whether it's a win or a loss entering Shula Bowl week, especially you know again having to travel on the road to go to FIU Stadium and, and a surging FIU team. Yeah, you know, I, from what I've seen, you know, just and I'm kind of basing this more so on social media and just talking to people 
when it comes to the fan base, you know, I think, I'll, you know, I don't want to say that they're all feeling like this, but there's some that are uh, kind of just uh, off the boat, you know. So, I, I again, there's there's still some hope there that you, that you win a bowl game. And, again, the future is still bright for FAU, whether they miss a, miss a bowl game or not, because you, obviously you're going to the AAC. But it, it, the, the feeling of the fan base, they're, they're proud, you know, but, again, they, they could be very critical even if, you know, you're not that bad, you know. So, to me, I, I th- to me, there's still some hope with, with fans that, you know, again, maybe they're hope, a lot of them are reserving judgments until the end of the season, you know, just kind of like how last year was. But last year it was – it was ugly. They ended on a four game, a three or four game losing streak, missing out on a bowl game. So it's going to be interesting. You know, and I, and I hope that more so the students get into it for FAU because I know sometimes they like to do these trips from the school where they kind of actually drive from Boca to uh, another location. Like they did that for UCF and they've done that in the past. So I think that will help just kind of getting the students into it. The marketing needs to be at their best uh, because I think heading into Shula Bowl weekend, it's going to be a huge game. Now, do they come out of UAB with a W? I'm, I'm still not convinced. You know, I, I will obviously factors about, you know, the starting quarterback being injured and stuff like that. But I'm just not convinced that, you know, this team will come out and not make mistake, the same mistake. So, but again, they play well at home. So to me, it's a toss up. You know, UAB is a damn good team, man. Um, but yeah, that, that's the fan base. They, they need something to, to be, you know, excited about. That is Mr. Zachary Weinberger. And as I'm staring at his uh, Twitter profile, I just realized he switched his, his Twitter header to the excellent uh, screen grab of Ken Dorsey going berserk in the press box. <laughs> one of the greatest moments in the history of football. I don't care what anyone says. But yeah. you can find Zach on Twitter, again, at Zach Weinberger. He is of the Palm Beach Post. Zach, really appreciate you making a few minutes here. And um, uh, hey, so before I let you go, will, will we will we see you Shula Bowl week? Will you, you make the, uh, the jaunt down to... Uh, FIU Stadium? Definitely, for sure. Just because, you know, I've never been there kind of as a media uh, to covering the Shula Bowl. So that's going to be, you know, sort of my first time there. I will say just before I kind of get up, the last time I was there was was my freshman year. I wasn't really covering FIU football. Uh, my friend who goes to FIU, who recently just graduated, brought me, he brought me to the student section. I was full decked in FAU gear. And I was annoying because that game, Singletary was running all over the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, so this time I'm obviously be more professional, obviously, but it should be great. You know, I always love going down south. And, you know, I was there for the basketball game between the two. So, uh, yep, yeah, you'll see me there. I will definitely come out and uh, make sure I find you uh, out there, whether you're inside or at the tents, but that's another discussion for a- another time. Zach, appreciate you yep. making the time, my man. Thank you so much, Eric.